Episode 658 of Hotels Around the World. We now go out to Sri Lanka and um, examining a hotel room for us out there um, is uh, the one and only Mr. Oase Shah. Ace, how's it going? Good. Darren, how are you? Very, very excited to be on this show. Looking forward to it. So um, tell everyone what you're doing in Sri Lanka at the moment. So well, I'm, well I've, I've just finished quarantine of 10 days, which has been... Uh, quite tough, but it is what it is in these times. You have to do what you have to do to, uh, you know, uh, abide by the laws of the country. Um, so I'm here covering the England and Sri Lanka test match coming up, the two test matches in Gaul uh, for some commentary, some television commentary. So, yeah, we have to have 10 days quarantine and then uh, that finished today for me and then in about, what is it, three days now, uh, the first ball will be bowled of this winter for England cricket team. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? It's the start of a really busy year for England. Um, and it's, in my opinion, it's quite a tough start. Sri Lanka's never, ever been a place uh, where it's been easy riding for England. I know maybe in recent years, since the retirement of some of the great names from Sri Lanka cricket, but Conditions are, are quite punishing, aren't they? Yes, I was just going to say. I think in the recent years, I think we've made a, you know, we made a good fist of uh, our touring that we've done in Sri Lanka, uh, giving them a good fight, and obviously won, I believe, last time hmm. uh, England toured. So you know, things are sort of starting to turn for England. It was totally. Uh, it was. Uh, it was really one-way traffic when the great Morlithran and Sangakkara and Jai Warden, these guys were playing. It was. Uh, you know, it was a different story. But yeah, look, now it's uh, England's turn to. Uh, to, to really uh, enjoy touring Sri Lanka and hopefully, you know, I personally am making us favourites uh, because of the fact that uh, Sri Lanka have just toured South Africa. Uh, where they lost 2-0 in a two-match test series. Yes, I know the conditions were different, but uh, a lost series or the lost series. And I really believe that England, uh, which is a little bit strange to say that abroad, I think will probably go into the uh, into the two-test match series as favourites. Now, both tests have been played at Gaul. Um, that's a real iconic stadium, isn't it? I mean... It'd be a bit of a shame, obviously, because we're in a strange world at the moment. But when I think of Gaul, I think of all the Barmy Army sat up on the uh, on the forts and the banners everywhere. Um, but nonetheless, I mean, it's a, it's a very, very picturesque and, and historic place to play cricket, isn't it? Yes, you hit the nail on the head. It's very historic. Got the fort there at the ground and... Um, yeah, you know, I think uh, last time, uh, I think a, a certain ex Essex boy will really re remember this. Uh, ben Folks got a hundred here in the last tour, uh, so uh, and I believe he's out here again. So, yeah, look, a, a, a ground which is uh, like you mentioned, a lot of history. Obviously, they were they had a bit of a setback when that natural disaster hit quite a few years ago now, but they've you know recovered and you know hosted cricket at that very ground and you know it looks wonderful now i mean the the, the ground is in great condition and uh yeah really looking forward to england taking the field in the two test matches 
Uh, and like I mentioned earlier, I really believe that we should walk away as winners after the two test matches. You mentioned about the, um, the tsunami of 2004. And uh, yeah, you're right. Gaul really took a, a big hit. Um, I, I was there a couple of years ago and... I think there's a statue of a, a Buddha that was donated by um, the nation of Japan uh, because they helped out a lot. And the, the statue, I think, is not far from the cricket ground. It's just up the coastal road. Um, and it's quite a tall statue. And, it's, and, and apparently the height of that statue is the height of the wave uh, that, hit, uh, that hit that area um, on that Boxing Day 2004, wasn't it? Um, yeah, I've, I've heard about this statue. I've actually personally never seen it, but somebody did mention to me that there's this statue uh, donated, like you mentioned earlier, from Japan. So I'm actually quite keen to to uh, have a look at this statue if you know yeah. if our sort of, if our uh, route uh, allows us to. Because as you know, like you know, with COVID and everything, the the bio bubbles and stuff like that. I don't know if we're allowed to venture out too far. Uh, to look at this uh, statue. But if it does, then I'll definitely go and have a look. Uh, but yeah, I am aware of it, uh, but yeah. I haven't seen it myself. Folks there, and of course, this is a big moment for another Essex boy on this tour, Mr. Dan Lawrence, um, who's, who's been around the Essex setup for, for, seems like forever since he was a very young lad. Um, but it looks like he's going to get his chance now. Yeah, well, I think exciting time for Dan Lawrence. I think he's really done well in the last, I think, 16 months or so. Uh, I know it was obviously very limited cricket last year, but I think the summer before, I think he, he did really well. And I think he had a really, really good England A-tour to Australia of all places. And he really did well out there. You know, it's not an easy place to tour. And uh, he got some big hundreds. So, you know, I think, you know, that step up, albeit not obviously international cricket, but that step up from first class cricket to 18 cricket, the pressures that 18 cricket presents, I think he soaked it up very well and, and delivered. So I think all eyes on Dan to, to perform uh, the way we all know he can. And I think it will help. It definitely helps that Chris Silverwood uh, will know all about Dan. Um, yeah. You know, he would have yeah. seen him come to the ranks when Chris Silverwood was involved with Essex and uh, he will know his potential, his capabilities. And, and, and he knows when, when uh, Dan is, is put under pressure, how well he can perform. So, you know, things are all in his favour. And, and yes, the talk on the town is the fact that uh, Dan could well be making his test debut and we all wish him all the best. He's the latest in a real conveyor belt I've, I've mentioned this on the program before about this and it goes back quite a long way now of Essex producing <laughs> top class batsmen obviously Dan Lawrence um, Ben Folks came through the Essex ranks as you said um, Ravi Bapara Alistair Cook Nas Hussain uh, and then you can go all the way back to Graham Gooch and, 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 and that era of cricketers um, you, you spent some time at Essex is there anything Special in the water at Chelmsford that, that makes these guys bat so well? <laughs> I don't know about anything in the water. I think the, the wicket is pretty good. Um, I don't know about nowadays, but, you know, certainly when I think when Mr. Graham Gooch played, um, it was, uh, you know, it's pretty good. And it has been historically a very, very good place to bat. 
Um, so, and look, I think I think it also helps with the likes of Graham Gooch, Nasser Hussain, playing at that club. Uh, it just leaves a legacy behind, and what that legacy does is it 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 makes the younger guys realize the kind of standards that were set uh, to perform at county levels to get noticed by England. You know, that is what, at the end of the day, everybody's aim, especially as a batsman. And I can only speak from a batsman's point of view because obviously that's what I did. Um, you know, you look at the greats that have played for the club and you try and match those standards, you know, and because you know that if you can match their standards, you've got a chance of playing international cricket. And that's what I think most guys uh, dream about when they start off their career. Uh, so, yeah, I think all that sort of stuff helps. And, and Dan, Dan has followed in those footsteps. He's performed well for Essex. And like I mentioned, he's performed well for England. Eh? And now, uh, now the real, real stage and the real test is around the corner. I hope he can just be himself. Um, I think that's, that's going to be key for him. Well, I don't think COVID is going anywhere fast. That is for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes, I'm aware, you know, vaccines are coming out, uh, which is great development in uh, trying to diagnose the problem of COVID-19. But I think it's going to be a very slow period. So for the foreseeable future, I don't see any way different to what it is now. I think bubbles are here to stay for a little while yet. Um, I know Australia... Uh, you know, have seemed to have got rid of it or maybe sort of maybe the 1% of people who might have it. So, I mean, they've allowed uh, the general public to attend in, albeit in small numbers, but they are allowing general public to watch sporting events. So I hope we can get there soon. Uh, but at the moment, I think definitely for our winter, I think, Definitely, I think there'll be bubbles, especially with what's just happened recently in England. Yeah. I think people coming from England, which is obviously where we're going to be coming from, um, you know, you have to take extra precaution, uh, especially, um, you know, when you're visiting the likes of Sri Lanka, who have controlled it unbelievably well. Uh, you know, they're not going to let uh, anyone else spoil that. And I think I would imagine... Uh, it'll be tough protocol in India as well. Uh, you know, they've got a billion people themselves and, and uh, COVID is not easy to control with vast numbers of people around. So they wouldn't, again, wouldn't want to mix uh, any more <laughs> complex stuff uh, coming from the UK. Uh, so, yeah, it's just how it is. And like you mentioned, I think, yes, it does present, present opportunities to other players who are prepared to uh, quarantine and uh, just try and get on with it somehow. I know it's difficult, so you know I do feel sorry for the players having to do it. Uh, but if you don't do it, you're not, you're not, you know, you're not playing for your country. I mean, at the end, of it, that's what it comes down to. You know, it's ten days in a room. Yes, it's tough, but at the end of it, there's a test gap looming. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. What I wouldn't mind doing. I would, I would do 20 days, someone said, and get another test. <laughs> well, so, you, had, um, you had your fair share yeah. of uh, England shirts, though, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, test cricket is tense. Test cricket, you know, you've never played it. You've never played enough. Um, I certainly didn't feel I've played enough. So, yeah, someone said to me, there's a test cap after 10 days of quarantine. Let me tell you, I'm taking that. <laughs> 
What was your what was your fondest memory of uh, playing Test cricket? Oh, hands down, my Test debut. Um, we played the, the deciding Test match in India. Um, I only played because Alistair Cook was ill on the morning of the game. I got told about half an hour before the toss that I was playing. Uh, but I lied, actually. And Duncan Fletcher did tell me on the bus, prepare to play, but I didn't take it seriously because that, that was the only second sentence he had spoken to me for the, for the three weeks I was there. And I was like, well, no, nah, he's, he's, he's having me on here. He definitely not. <laughs> he didn't name me in the team last night. There's no way am I playing. And yeah, and as we got to the ground, uh, yeah, I got the nod because Cookie came into the dressing room, had some tears in his eyes. So I asked him, hey, buddy, what's, what's up? You know? And he said, mate, I'm not playing. I've had, a, I've had the old uh, runs. I've had the old uh, deli belly last night. So that's when the penny dropped for me. And I quickly <laughs> grabbed my gloves, had a few throwdowns. And then, and then uh, Freddie Flintoff gave me my test cap um, before the start of play, which was a rather special moment. I've known Freddie since we were 15. So, yeah, it was, uh, that's probably the best five days of test cricket for me. I ended up getting 88. And, yeah, we ended up winning the test match and drawing the series in India, which was unheard of. We were 1-0 behind. And, uh, yeah, ended up bowling out. India on the last day, winning the Test match and drawing the series one all. And the Indian Indian stadiums um, in those times, you know, fanatical crowds and the atmosphere was, uh, and 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 the, the pitches you were playing on were, you know, you had to be on your A game all the time, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the crowd is the same now than it was uh, before. I mean, the crowds are unbelievable in India. Uh, that is for sure. And um, yeah, you got to be on your A game. But I had a really really good summer before I went to that test match. So, you know, I'm, I was a leading, funny enough, I was a leading run scorer in England uh, that summer that had gone. Um, but I actually didn't get picked for the tour. I went to the A tour and I got flown in because I think Michael Vaughan hurt his knee. Um, so I ended up flying from the West Indies to go to India for the, f I arrived just in time for the first test to watch Cookie get his 100. And then I obviously played myself in the last test match of the series, which was the third test. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> crazy, crazy. But, yeah, you know, um, I was lucky, I guess. So, yeah, it was good. It was, it was, it was a wonderful tour and wonderful five days. I should point out to any of our younger listeners that uh, Freddie Flintop is the bloke of Top Gear who did used to play cricket uh, <laughs> in, in his earlier days. <laughs> You almost kind yeah. of forget that now, don't you? <laughs> yeah, you do. You do. Uh, what a cricketer he was. Yeah, very good cricketer. Very, very good cricketer. He was. He started off. I think he was. He started off as when we were fifteen. He was a batsman. He was uh, a hard-hitting batsman. I, I don't think he bowled much then. But as he got a little bit older, like seventeen, nineteen, then he started bowling properly, and he was a proper fast bowler. Mm. So yeah, very good all-rounder. Clever bowler as well. Knew, knew what to do with the ball and and uh, and uh, and how to sort of out outthink batsmen as well. You know, particularly when you saw him in some of the Ashes series, it was uh, it's very impressive. Yeah, it's a great series. Uh, really, start sort of changed the momentum back into England's favour as far as Ashes cricket went. Because I think before that, it was just regulation that we would play Australia and we would get hammered four one. Um, we always seem to win one test match somehow. Yeah. 
uh, which sort of, <laughs> we sort of, everybody used to think, oh, well, everything's all right. We've won a test match, but <laughs> we'd had got, actually got hammered four test matches before that. So it was nice to see that, that uh, England had ch- turned things around and, you know, won Ashes, won the Ashes after a very long time. And then since then, we've done it quite a few times, haven't we? Yeah, we have. And it's, um, it's, it's always a real contest now as well. You really look forward to it because, as you say, those days of just getting thumped all the time are long gone. Uh, yeah, and, yeah, uh, definitely. I def- think Australia were very fortunate to have some world-class players all in one team at that time. I think, you know, McGrath, Warren, they walk into most world 11s. Uh, then you've got Ponting, uh, Steve War. Those guys would probably walk into most world 11s. Then you had Hayden and Langer. Hmm. Unbelievable openness. Not to forget Damian Martin and then probably one of the best all-time wicketkeepers, Gilchrist. I mean, you know, you're taking on world-class cricketers. They're not just international cricketers. They're world-class. And world-class for me was when you're putting your world 11 together, you know, even with a bit of fun that you might say, oh, okay, who's the best player? Who would you want to, you know, bat for you, for your life? You would say, well, <laughs> well, Steve Wall, <laughs> well, Langer and Hayden will probably open the batting. I will have Ponting at three and Martin at four and you almost can reel off the Aussie side. And <laughs> yeah, I think it was just freakish how good every single player was. Um, and those all 11 would sort of turn up and dominate world cricket. I mean, they were the number one team for a while and they won two or three World Cups at that time. Yeah, so, uh, they, they but I'm glad the... those days are gone. We are winning. We are the current 50 over world champions. Let me remind everyone out there, England are the world champions, ah. not Australia. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's really good. Good times for English cricket. You know, we are now touring um, uh, foreign countries as favourites where I make today Sri Lanka you know I, I make us favourites in this two-match series um, I think I think India tour is going to be quite tough especially if they get all their boys fit uh, they're struggling with injuries at the moment um, but I think that will be a tougher tour of the winter um, but yeah looking forward to it all There's been some interesting cricket just going on just very recently we've just seen um India pull out a miraculous draw uh, against Australia at the weekend. Um, and as you say, you know, they are badly hit by injuries. Um, you know, Virat Kohli's missing. He's gone off to be there for the birth of his child. Um, and, um, you know, the current side, despite all the, 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 um, the injuries, did sort of pull one out of the bag against Australia. So, yeah, it won't be easy. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, they did very well. I think most experts, ex-players had written India off to last the whole day uh, on that pitch. Um, a little bit of variation bounce. However, the ball didn't misbehave that much. But with those four guys bowling, uh, you know, they're very good attack. I'm surprised they lasted the whole day and they did it very well. <laughs> so it just shows, you know, I think other teams are catching up. Uh, and getting used to conditions abroad and being able to put up a better fight. Um, you know, I think India would love to have a better record abroad. I know they won the uh, series last time they toured Australia, so they're very proud of that. Uh, but, you know, just to keep uh, constantly going abroad and winning is not easy for touring teams. So, but, you know, you know that's what my point is, I guess, where other teams are able to now 
put up a better fight and not get dominated. Um, so that's something very, very good. And and England are one of those teams who have done really well abroad. Like I mentioned earlier, we'd won, we won in Sri Lanka last time. You know, we're giving Australia a good run for their money. We're, uh, you know, we're beating them. Uh, we've won a few Ashes series in the last, what, 10 years or so. Uh, so, yeah, you know, things are turning around for other international teams when they're tall. So it's good to see. It certainly is. Yes, it certainly is alive and well. Um, I think there's enough series around the world to keep, uh, you know, most people watching or cricket lovers interested. Uh, you know, you've got your Ashes series, obviously play them every two years, and that's a really good series. Then you've got India and Australia, again, who play each other every two years. Um, so, you know, you've got three of the, as they call the three big giants of cricket playing each other regularly. Yeah. Uh, obviously, yeah. India touring again uh, in the summer coming up uh, in England. We're touring there right now in the next month or so. So the top teams are playing each other regularly, which is really good. Uh, and yes, I think Test cricket is alive. I don't think it's you know going to get dominated by T20. I think T20 is a good product, um, which is obviously here to stay. Uh, it gets young kids interested. It gets uh, plenty of revenue into the game, uh, which is key uh, to keep everything going. Uh, but then, you know, obviously the, the the icing on the cake is, you know, great test match cricket, uh, especially in our summer when, you know, a sunny day at Lord's on a Saturday with all those boxes rammed. <laughs> you know, there's no better sight uh, than that. Um, and yeah, and, and long may it continue. Is Lords your favourite place to play cricket? Your favourite venue? That's a ridiculous question, Darren. <laughs> it's like saying, I don't know, is, is, is champagne your favourite wine drink? And it's a wine, right? You could say that. Of course, it's the, it's, the ho it's the home of cricket. It doesn't get better than that. <laughs> you ask any cricketer, where do you want a test match 100? And I would say 100%, this is a big call, but 100% of English cricketers will definitely say Lords. And I would say most of the international guys would probably say also Lords. It's the home of cricket. It doesn't get better than that. That outfield, that that buzz when you walk through the long room. Where do, where else do you get that buzz? You just don't. It's just it's just a ground like no other. Um, I know people would say you know Melbourne cricket ground, hundred thousand people, uh, Wankhede Stadium in India, the noise, but. You know, what you also got to remember, cricketers are, I think, motivated uh, through old school values a little bit as well. You know, the history of the game and it all takes every single cricketer back to Lords. It's, it's just the place to play. And if you had one wish as a cricketer and you wanted a Test Match 100 and you asked what ground should it be on, it's, it's the place to play, mate. It's Lords. Okay. I must admit, I was a bit naughty asking that because I knew what you would say. But it's a fair point that I think when a lot of visiting teams come, <laughs> you see them raising their games. You see performances from guys that maybe you've never heard of or were fairly average up until that point. Come to Lords, like you say, walk through the long room, come down the steps, step onto that famous mm -hmm. outfield. And yeah. they seem to grow a foot taller in stature. You know, they, they bowl yeah. better, bat better, whatever. 
Yeah, I mean, like, like, I mean, I was spoiled. I played my first class cricket. I played 200 games for Middlesex. Uh, my last game for Middlesex was my 200th first class game for them. And I was very spoiled um, because I had that as my home ground. Yeah. And then when I came to Chelmsford, with all due respect, I was a bit like, oh, my God, really? Do I have to play cricket here? Again, you know, nothing against Chelmsford, but I'm comparing it to Lords. Yeah. which is one of the best grounds in the world, let alone England. <laughs> so it was quite a tough, it was quite a tough uh, transition for me. But <laughs> boy, I enjoyed those first, what, 17 years of my professional career. Yeah, loved every single minute of it. Also, I'm not saying I didn't love playing for Essex or Hampshire, which I played for, but yeah, that ground is special. Man. Yeah. Just this. So these days um, you're out there comedy, you're doing some commentary work and some media stuff. Um, what else have you been doing since uh, hanging up your boots? Uh, I've uh, got some in different interests. I'm into property developing in London, um, uh, but I'm also actively doing some coaching. I do a little bit of coaching in England. And in the last 12 months, I've been fortunate enough to coach in some of the T20 leagues around the world. Uh, we won... We won the Bangladesh Premier League uh, in February last year, which was a lot of fun. As I was head coach of that franchise. And then uh, just recently, I was head coach of the Sri Lanka Premier League uh, for one of the teams in there. So just getting on with my coaching, uh, trying to do that kind of stuff. And yeah, just trying to generally keep busy. And obviously, I do enjoy a bit of media stuff. Um, so... Yeah, I'm here as a commentator for the two test matches in Gaul. Uh, so it'll be television commentary. So looking forward to it. And yeah, adding it to the old, uh, to the CV. <laughs> and you're looking pretty sharp. Um, keeping fit and uh, looking after yourself. Yeah, trying to be fit. I'll probably do more fitness now than I, than I did when I was cricketer. Um, probably got a bit more time to myself to do it. I do enjoy fitness. Um, it's just time factor was quite tough when I played professional cricket. So, uh, but now, yeah, I enjoy it. It keeps me in a, in a nice mental space. Uh, I feel good. Um, uh, and that's really important, um, in this day and age. And, yeah, yeah. And, 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 you know, when you have kids, I feel that, that role model, um, status that you have as a professional sportsman. Uh, goes even further when you become a father. So, you know, I want my kids to be very much into sport, uh, you know, nowadays with all these iPads and phones and all this sort of stuff. I want my kids to not be too much into the iPads, but more so be physically active. So if they see their father playing sport on the weekend and keeping fit, then there's a better chance of them doing it um themselves because they'll see the benefit of it um so i believe in that as well so yeah just trying to do my bit for my kids and my family and um and yeah just just trying to live a good clean <laughs> healthy life mate <laughs> well that's a, a good positive upbeat note uh to end our little chat 